I smooth my hands across the velvet And a ripple in time starts rolling I couldn't know when that wave would break A song on the radio A rerun of your favorite show My own reflection so if there's one thing I've learned in doing this podcast, it's this. There is no rhyme or reason for how anyone becomes a songwriter. Some come to it naturally, even though music was not a big part of their family growing up. While others are drawn to it because of a song they may have heard when they were 10 or 11 years old. Kind of like me, only as I've made clear, I can't write a song to save my life. And then there's my next guest, California-born, Nashville-based singer-songwriter Maya Sharp. Songwriting runs through everything Maya's ever done, and really all she's ever known. Her parents met in high school performing music. Her dad, Randy Sharp, is a three-time Grammy winner who's written songs for Linda Ronstadt, Art Garfunkel, Glenn Campbell, and many, many more. Really, music is all Maya's ever seen, done, or wanted to do. But Maya didn't become serious about songwriting until college, where she majored in music theory. She thought she'd become a sax player, but was encouraged to find her own voice as a writer through the friends she met in college. As it turned out, Maya had a gift for writing music and started performing in her early 20s as a way to get her own songs heard. A few solo albums later in the mid-90s, she became a sought-after writer in her own right. In fact, some of her biggest musical inspirations have performed her songs, including Bonnie Raitt, Carole King, and, like her dad, Art Garfunkel. In this episode of Four Songs, Maya talks about the emotional lift she gets from songwriting. And as if it was a gift, her newest album, Mercy Rising, which just came out in May of 2021, was there to help her deal with some incredibly difficult life changes. First of all, her marriage more than 20 years came to an end fairly recently. After that, she uprooted her life and moved from Los Angeles, California to Nashville, Tennessee. Now, that's quite a big change. And as she wrapped up the singing and production of Mercy Rising in March 2020, a tornado pummeled through her new Nashville neighborhood, destroying many homes and lives around the area. But of course, as communities tend to do during these devastating events, they come together, they rally, they support each other. Now, as I said, this is in early March 2020, right as the pandemic was hitting, and guess what? She caught the virus. All of this was before her name was really knew how dangerous it was, and thankfully Maya's case, while severe, did not end up with any hospitalization or long-term damage. Anyway, I spoke with Maya via Zoom from her newish home in Nashville. We discussed four songs from Mercy Rising, Nice Girl, When the World Doesn't End, Whatever We Are, and Always Good to See You. She walks us through the emotional elements that go into writing a song with disarming candor. After all, songwriting isn't just something that she does for a living, but it's also something Maya does to give back. She has seen firsthand the healing power of music through her work with Songwriting with Soldiers, an organization that pairs returning veterans with songwriters to help tell their stories. These songwriting sessions can get deeply personal in a hurry, and if she tells it, they are incredibly therapeutic. Because for Maya, songwriting is a way to heal, a way to deal with things that don't make sense and come to terms with events that won't come to terms on their own. Her music is personal yet relatable, which, believe me, it's such a hard balance to strike for anyone to do, and she does it so easily. So anyone out there who wants to become a songwriter, listen in, sit back, take some notes. I'm your host, Rob Thormeyer, and it is my pleasure to welcome Maya Sharp to Four Songs. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, it's really great to have a chance to talk to you. You've got an album that just came out, Mercy Rising, which we'll be talking about throughout this conversation. But first, you know, the first thing I always ask folks is how they're doing with the pandemic. And I know mm -hmm. we're possibly coming to a hopeful end, but... I know it's been a long year for a lot of us. So how have you been doing? Yeah, well, I've kind of been all of the things, you know, there, there are some days that are really frustrating 
and other days where I'm proud of myself for figuring out how to pivot and make it work. And other days where I'm finding the silver lining and then I, I go back to frustrating and when is it going to open up again? And so, yeah, there's kind of a little bit of everything every day, the new frontier or the new version of the frontier is figuring out when it it's really safe and opened up enough to plan a tour. So end of the year, I'm hoping, but yeah. 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 It seems like, I mean, we're out, I'm outside of DC and things are slowly starting mm-hmm. to open up. I know in Virginia, we're getting some places having half full and DC, I think is like 20%, 25%. So even with that though, I mean, that's right. not enough to, to really make up for what you may have lost, is it? No, but, but, you know, at, at this point, just the kind of humanity of it would be worth it. Like I, I wouldn't have to make a profit right now. I just want to feel that again. <laughs> so mm. even if it was a smaller crowd, I mean, I guess one of the silver linings that I've learned in this is that I can, I'm pretty good now at just kind of keeping my knees bent and like, as long as I'm healthy and, you know, it gets a lot worse than a show has been canceled. You know, there's way worse things that can happen to a, you know, a person. So I'm fine. Right. Because I know songwriting is, is literally in your blood mm-hmm. and your father, Randy Sharp. But what were some of your earliest memories of music that made you think this is what I'm, this is what I'm going to do? There wasn't a conscious time where it's like, I want to do music, you know, like it just mm-hmm. kind of always was. And it was just a matter of like, how am I going to do it? And about halfway through college, I started to write songs and realize, you know, those artists that I grew up listening to, that's more who I am. Like, that's my, that's like where, where, where the instincts lie. Being an artist, being a singer only came because I wanted my songs out there. In fact, I was just talking to a friend of mine who was like, you know, I feel like I'm more of a singer. I write the song so I can go up there and sing. And I was like, then we are a great match because I am the exact opposite. <laughs> I get up there and sing so people can hear the songs that I wrote. Cause that's where, that's where I'm really spending all of my energy, you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I've heard some folks say that what gets you when you're young, when, whether it's the first thing you fell in love with or when you're most impressionable, that's what sticks with you. Cause I, I think like, why do I still listen to bands I listened to when I was 12? Uh-huh. Why are they still my favorite bands? And I'm wondering from, you know, your perspective, like what is, what is it about those earlier, those memories or just. Well, I mean, my first, my first instinct answer is that at that age, you need to feel like you're not alone. You feel like you're awkward or I don't know how you were, but I was yeah. awkward <laughs> as hell. And just like, I felt like I was like on the outside looking in. That's just, you know, a teenager thing, right? And when you hear that song that really resonates, and even if it's not saying exactly what your life experience is, you still feel like you, somebody understands me, you know, it's a, it's a really heavy moment. It's a, for some, it's like a a life-saving one to, to find that song, to find that album that you feel like, oh, this is me. I'm not crazy. I'm not a nerd or later on that, you know, was celebrated, you know, to be a nerd, but still it's just a needy age. So when you get what you need at that age, you never forget. And 
I still listen to those, you know, to those artists too, or to artists that were clearly influenced by those artists. So I'm yeah, basically yeah. listening to the next generation. And I'm one of those too. Like I, I know I sound like a number of those artists that I grew up listening to. And one other thing I know you've been involved with too is the songwriting for soldiers. Yes. How does, what is that about? I mean, how does that work? Oh, yeah, well, if you want to find out more about it, it's songwritingwithsoldiers.org. Okay. And it's this great program. They pair a professional songwriter with an active duty service member, veteran, and or a family member. And we sit with them and they share whatever stories they want to share. And we, we make a song out of that. You know, there's something about introducing music it it offers kind of a you know a safer environment it kind of brings everybody to this other plane and people who we have just met and they are fully aware we are we are not a military operation we none of the songwriters are veterans um but they they share some some really heavy stuff and we bond fast so let's Talk about Mercy Rising, which is mm -hmm. why we're here. So we're going to talk about four songs in particular. Okay. Nice Girl, When the World Doesn't End, Whenever We Are, and Always Good to See You. Okay. So before we get to the to songs themselves, I'm just wanted to get your thoughts on the album coming together. So it was done mm -hmm. pre-COVID, but obviously probably a lot of the, and the mixing and a lot, was, was that done during COVID? Yeah, well, yeah, early on. Like, um, well, actually I, I was present for a lot of the mixing. I got most of it done. I got 10 songs done and then added two later. So the, so the later ones that I added in March, April were remotely, but again, I had, you know, I had already built the team. So I felt, you know, fine about that. So yeah, I got to go into the studio. I called my buddy, Joshua Grange, who was great steel guitar player, electric guitar player, really anything with strings and keyboards. He's kind of a freak. And he has a studio here in Nashville called Resistor. He was my first phone call and asked him, you know, if he's available. And I, I just moved to Nashville from Los Angeles at the beginning of 2019. I had been coming here though on a regular basis for probably 20 years. So I knew a lot of players. So I was just going to kind of start thinking about who's going to be my drummer, who's going to be my bass player, and Josh will be the guitar player, and I'll do all the other stuff, acoustic, whirly, piano, all that. And Josh has volunteered. He's like, you know, I just worked with a drummer and a bass player that work together a lot, and the three of us just locked in right away. And, I mean, I knew in Nashville I'm going to find great players. But you never know if you're finding great players that play great together until you're in a room. Well, we'll start with Nice Girl. Oh, man. Yeah, nice girl is the probably the the most real, the the word for word real. It sounds like I'm singing that to somebody else, but my soon to be ex-wife said that to me. We're <laughs> sitting on the couch and we just had a really hard like past few weeks, I remember. And and the day was rough and but we were all, we were rebuilding our you know, rebuilding our friendship. We were like, okay, what are we going to be, what are we going to be moving forward? Cause we know that we're going to be 
we will be in each other's lives. And I'm so happy to report that we are. And, and, you know, we did figure that out and we're really good friends now. So very fortunate that there's a lot of love there and we're, we're sitting on the couch and she's like, you know what, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. You're going to make some nice girl miserable someday. <laughs> she <laughs> looked right at me and I, and I swear to God, I did something like, and she, she was like, oh my God, you're going to write a song. You're going to make a song out of that. And I was like, yeah, but no, it totally hurt that it worked. You nailed it. But yes, that's a great line. I, of course, I'm going to make a song out of that. And she, and we actually laughed our asses off. Like, so that's, you know, it was already a good sign. Like we were, we were on our way. We yeah. managed to find humor in really the saddest stuff. And I think if you can do that with somebody, you got to hang in there. Like the only one A quiet storm behind your thousand yard stare Like you want someone to save you Like your running days are done You make it easy To fall in love with you But then the rest of it just seems to get too hard to do Oh well, I won't worry about you babe I mean, in that moment, I remember it like it was yesterday and it was a couple of years ago now over that. God, it's flying by. But I remember it being really dark moment and then really funny. And you know how when, when somebody laughs who really needed a laugh, it's a bigger laugh. It's like a waterfall. It's like a volcano of laughter. There's some, and you can tell just by the way that the laughter is happening that it hasn't it hadn't happened in a while so that we just like we just enjoyed it mm -hmm. and then i used it yeah. and she totally knows <laughs> and she's totally proud of it <laughs> yeah can't take a rain cloud and tell it not to rain can't make a river stop thinking about the sea and you can't change somebody doesn't want to change and it can't take forever too seriously yeah my prediction is close to well wishing as i can say hey you're gonna make some nice girl miserable someday, someday. the reason why i started this podcast was because i've always wanted to write music because I've, I've loved music from as long as i can remember but for, there's just something about i just can't do it i don't know so i'm always like analyzing songs like i love the bridge how you kind of use the chorus mm. and it just it goes right into the bridge you use it someday which you use in the chorus a few times but then it just goes right into the, the bridge there the, the someday somewhere she's waiting for you i just thought that was just brilliant how you did that and oh thanks that's... gonna make some nice girl miserable someday somewhere she's waiting Stick around.
Well, yeah, I mean, a big part of it is just flight hours. Like you just need to write a lot and be okay that it'll suck for a while. And then it'll slowly not suck. (laughs) It really just is like doing it. Well, so you mentioned that you keep that line stuck out when you're having that, that hard conversation, but was there, did this, did the rest of it come to you quickly or did this take a long time to, to finish up the lyrics? And Well, so of the 12 songs on the record, 10 of them are co-writes and two of them are written alone. So this one, I brought the line to my buddy Park Chisholm. And this was a Nashville trip. This was at the end of 18. I hadn't quite moved here yet, but I was about to. And I had a writing session with Park and we had written together a few times before. And he's just a lovely guy and super talented. And so I was like, okay, well, uh, my wife just said this to me. And he's like, oh, we're writing that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's totally, so I think I only brought the line and then, then we just, you know, we hashed it out for a day and a half or something. Mm. Got it. How does that happen to get, because, you know, because you think of like the great band with the Beatles, you know, it was McCartney and London, you know, I think they wrote a lot separately, but like, I think they did. Yeah. Jones, I mean, they wrote together. I mean, mm-hmm. just remember Mick Jones wrote a lot together. I mean, when it is that you say that two become one feeling like how does, what does there like, can you feel it that, when that's happening just as a writer? Oh yeah. oh yeah. And there's a, you know, you have to like, you know, find a trust and feel like that person is bringing out cool things in you that maybe aren't there when they're not there. Um, I mean, those are my favorites. I mean, I can, you know, I can survive any, any kind of right, but those are the ones where I, where I get really excited and I start thinking like, Oh, this, I feel like this song is going to land somewhere at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. And Park is one of those guys. And we, we have a handful of songs and, and they, they all feel like that. Like I never have to wonder is this line really the best that it can be? Like, yeah, it's going to be the best that it can be. Cause we're, we're, we, I know that we're going to hang in there as long as we need to until it's, it's right. Okay. Well, I could talk about the song for a while, but we need to get to when the world doesn't end, which I feel like is kind of part two. Right. Right. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it is actually. That's a good handoff. Again, I co-wrote, this one, my buddy PJ Pacifico and I wrote it. He's from he's from the Northeast and he was in town in Nashville. And we started singing together and it just was like, I, I really felt like I wanted, like I was feeling pretty early on, like if I ever put this on a record, I want him to sing all over it. <laughs> so when that happened, I asked him to sing a harmony, which ended up feeling like, you know what, it needs to just, you know, kind of be a duet. Like it feels like it needs to be saturated because it's about two people that don't want to run into each other. So why not have them both saying the exact same thing, you know? So, you know, we're both saying we don't, you know, we take the long way because I know that's not the way that you would take. And I peek into the subway to make sure I don't, you know, see your boots there. You know, I avoid all your friends and all that stuff. So we're saying that to each other. And then of course they do meet. And it turns out the world survived. (laughs) 
all through it and our voices are completely different and yet they blend really yeah. well it's so fun to sing with him yeah i mean they really do blend and i i, I love again just the opening line just it's so relatable i mean i and it's funny how when i was listening to it i thought you know how many times you know i live outside of dc dc has a reputation for being a pretty small town even though it's mm-hmm. pretty big but you know when you think about it the world that you live in that city is pretty small because you kind of go to the same you can't run into somebody that you don't necessarily want to (laughs) yeah because i can think of the times when i've been through this too and thinking boy i really hope that i don't see this person maybe i'll grow a goatee or something right exactly just wear my hat a little low yeah we loved i think it was that the second or third line is i put a little makeup on and we loved the idea of him singing that, PJ singing that line. And he was like, hell yeah. And we agreed that like probably in our lives, he has worn just as much makeup as I have. Like if he's been in like a, you know, 80s rock band or whatever, and I don't, I hardly wear any makeups. So we're like, hell yeah. You know, why not have the male voice and the female voice both saying this? <laughs> so mm. once once we were rolling on PJ and I singing together from that early in the song, we're like, roll on, you're in. Yeah. 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 And, and the, the music too, it makes it does sort of give you that feeling like you're kind of wandering around at night in the city, mm-hmm. kind of just sneaking around and not trying to make too much attention. They're just, I don't know. Right. I just thought that the music just really fit the lyrics on this one and Oh, what I what I really like is the the chorus and how it builds up to that the four three two one. There's that countdown, and you feel like, oh my god, something's bad's gonna happen, and then just, it doesn't. <laughs> right, you know, Armageddon doesn't happen, and it's like, oh, okay, everything's gonna be okay. But I guess right. you know it ends with that kind of age old question: is what do we do? What do we do then? Right. It's going down now. Yeah, you were so sure. Like you didn't plan past that moment. So now what? It's like a pessimist's nightmare. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's okay. Now I have to like live my life. I have to yeah. keep my life. Yeah. 
Yeah, and in a way, this song, it, it's positive, though, because you, you kind of, you're so fearful of what could happen when, and then when right. that doesn't happen, you realize, oh, this is, it's almost like you could use this as for a metaphor for so many different things, too, like addiction or something. It's like getting mm-hmm. to that point where, oh, my God, it wasn't that bad. And now I need to move on. And mm-hmm. the, the, the question is then, how? <laughs> but yeah kind of loose loosely related to that i was just talking to another singer songwriter friend of mine and our philosophies i think are complementary um that she was talking about um putting a lot of weight into into a moment into one you know one opportunity like as if there's such thing as a make a make or you know, a break. And we agreed after being in this business for long enough, we're like, it turns out there's not really a make or break. Like not, no, no one opportunity really makes you and it doesn't. And also the good news is it doesn't really break you either. The romance is in the journey is in the like, tomorrow you get a little better, you get a little further, you do a little more, you learn a little more, you get a little wiser that's the win you know that's the make it's not like i got started out live it's like no i like i kept on i got to keep writing and i got to keep going and i met all these amazing people and i still am doing this for a living like that to me is the make thank you so much for your time tonight maya we've got two more songs so whatever we are which is such a reflective Yeah, this one was one of those that it was another one that just had to get out. Like I could not carry that around anymore. I do a lot of really long drives for the songwriting with soldiers, especially living here in Nashville. Now I can make it to many sites now in the car in a day. So it's like, if it's eight hours or less, nine hours or less, I'll just get up early and drive it. I wrote the first two verses of whatever we are before I brought it to my co-writers and those two verses were like 300 miles, <laughs> like <laughs> hours to get it right. Because this thing was just a brick in the gut. It was like, I got to get rid of this. I was pretty resentful and confused over somebody, not not my ex-wife, somebody else, just... I felt like I just, I didn't understand why things were going the way they were. And it just didn't make any sense. And I couldn't get any answers. And there's like, she wasn't articulating anything, at least the way I could understand it. I just, I finally realized I'm not going to get any answers. So you can either keep carrying it around or you can choose another treatment. What's another way that you can deal with this? Okay. So I started those two verses from the point of view of where I wanted to be, what I wanted to believe, Zen me, basically, before I was Zen me. And I'm still not quite there. I'm getting there. But I'm way closer now because of this song. So those first two verses, like, okay, what would like a wiser, stronger me say? They would say, you know what? Whatever we are, I love you. I love you, whatever we are. Never again, or just not today. The first.
worst of our kind or the oldest cliche Right down the middle or missed it by far I love you I don't know what we've been all, we've been everything. I don't, I can't tell if we're this or that, but my, I'm just going to like choose a default of loving you now. And it, it is helpful. And then I brought it to my co-writers, Thomas Fincham and Anna Schulze. And we, we finished it. So I just gave them the two verses and was very thankful. They didn't have like any tweezer, like, okay, those are the verses. And then we, we finished it. We did the chorus, another verse, bridge. When you're on the road like that and it comes to you, you're thinking, I mean, do you, you said it was like literally a whole, you were driving and it just kind of had it on your head. But I guess you can't just pull over and write down a bunch of words. But I mean, does that, does that happen often to you? Or is Well, yeah, I, de- I mean, I definitely have like, I like to find a set of lines. Like if I get on a concept and I feel like I have a, a handle on a, on the last line of a chorus or even like a recurring line in the verse, I can get, I can hear enough of a melody in the rhythm, you know, in my head to get four to eight lines down. And I'm like, you know, I'm singing acapella, you know, this song, I think that it was started on the road. That definitely informs why this song form is pretty traditional it's it's a six eight it's kind of old school country but Mm -hmm. i didn't want to go hardcore there so you know the production i tried to take that i I tried to take a little uh you know i tried to take it a little away from that but the form of it is just like six eight i don't know george jones (laughs) vibe and it, it stayed there through the writing of the song and it it seems to fit the song you know it doesn't yeah. want to doesn't want to distract you too much with the chord changes and the movement because it wants you to kind of you know steep in the in the lyric idea <laughs> One last song to talk about. And this one, Always Good to See You, which is yeah, it's a bonus track. <laughs> yeah, this is the very last one. So I thought it was all done. I thought it was going to be 11 songs. And then Ben Arthur 
called me. He's the host and creator of um, a podcast called Song Writer. And I say it like that because it's one word, but the W is uppercase. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't talked for a while. He's a great singer songwriter. And I didn't even know that he had a podcast and he called, told me about the podcast, but then the form of it is so fun. It's a storyteller will tell a story, whether it's like an author or stand-up comedian and a songwriter will write a song in response to that story. Hmm. So he asked me if, if I wanted to be uh, a part of it. And if so, if I had a list of authors that I liked. And of course I did. And I had been reading Cheryl Strade's Tiny Beautiful Things, which is a collection of her columns. And it's an advice column, but she brings, my God, she brings so much of her her own experience and just the way that she, I mean, it's like a combination of therapy and a writer's workshop because the way she's writing too, like she'd say something that would be so helpful to me, especially in that, that first year that I moved here, where just everything was changed. And I was feeling a little crazy that I had basically overturned my life. Like I'm, I'm the one who blew it up and I was just like kind of lost and stuck and, And then she'll write something that is so eloquent. I'll be angry at her because she beat me to that perfect string of words. Like, oh my God. So I was like, so I put Cheryl straight on the list. Like maybe even number one, like I am not thinking that he was going to get her and he freaking landed her. So Cheryl straight was, was my storyteller for the episode. And she read um, a piece from that exact work that I had been reading every night. My first to Ben was how long am I going to have? Like, this isn't going to be like a who's lines anyway or something, right? Where she reads the thing and I got to write a song on the spot. I'm not that person. No, 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 no. I had a month and I swear to you, I wrote a little bit every day of the month. I didn't let a day go by where I didn't like, cause it's Cheryl freaking straight. Like I've seen the way she writes. I can't punt. This has to be, my very, very best. Even if it's not the very, very best song that was ever written, it's got to be mine. Like I got to ring it out. I got to leave it all, all out on the field. So I've tried to find all of the nuances that she was alluding to. And I, I'm really, really proud of the song. If I had it again, I would work every day for 30 days on it. <laughs> and we did a Facebook live of it and she, she loved it. She cried, you know, she cried a little bit and I'm sorry that I made her cry, but it made me feel like it was like, okay, I found what she was feeling, you know, cause there's so many layers to her writing. You can zero in on something just like people sometimes walk up to me and tell me what a song meant to them. And that's not really what I meant from the song, which is fine. Like if I want you to take it the way you need to take it in the moment, but I was really trying to get into Cheryl's head and, it could have gone in a number of ways. And I think it, I think it went, went well. It was really exciting. I smooth my hands across the velvet and a ripple in time starts rolling. I couldn't know when that wave would break. 
A song on the radio, a rerun of your favorite show, my own reflection, making that expression you'd make. When I hear myself say what I wish that I'd said then, when I find a little meaning in the mess, I am still amazed at your ways of checking in. If somebody hears that song and they like it, I highly recommend looking up Cheryl Strades, that Cheryl with the C, uh, the the ordinary miraculous, because the piece is about how her mom and her were shopping at a yard sale when she was like 19 and found found a dress for for a toddler, a velvety a velvety lacy dress, and Cheryl ends up with it. Her mom purchased it. And Cheryl was acting like she didn't even want it, but something about the dress was drawing her to it. She was trying to act like, uh, you know, I'm not even going to have kids. And, you know, what do you think? And her mom went and got it anyway. And Cheryl had it. And years after her mom had passed away, Cheryl, of course, did have kids. And her little girl is wearing the dress. And there's just a moment of this, like, it feels like an ordinary moment, but it's, it's huge because the ripple of her mother's life went well beyond her mom's life years into Cheryl's and kept on showing up. Her mom, her mom's actions, her mom's vibe, all of it kept showing up through the years. And that's the ripple and that's the velvet. It's in the dress. I want to catch it when you come to me. Oh, I know it can't just be the moment But sometimes it's the long game reveal And the ripple tends to find a shore If I know what I'm watching for The ordinary becomes a very big deal So she gave me a lot to work with And her, her concepts are just so... They're just so conversational and so layered at the same time and even i feel like musically the song kind of builds up a bit like a wave because it kind of starts mm -hmm. the quiet with the guitar and, and the piano and then just it keeps building but there's no percussion which i thought was really mm -hmm. interesting how it still gets the progression that builds it keeps getting louder and a little louder and then i just i really like how it just kind of has that momentum throughout it i am still amazed at your way a checking in a cardinal on a wire yard sale dress it's always good to see you it's always good to see Yeah, Joshua Grange, again, I went back to Josh. He's playing a guitar called a Chinese Moon. And it has like a, it's got a you know kind of percussion yeah. in the, you know, the plucking of it. But yeah, there's no, 
there's no drum. I mean, that's, that's kind of part of why I made it the hidden track also. Cause it's like, <laughs> this is not like the rest, <laughs> but it's kind of a wind down for you, you know? Yeah. I, I really like how it wraps everything up. And so fantastic. Well, thank you. So as we wrap up again, we're want to thank you so much for your time tonight. Maya is, what are your expectations? We kind of talked about this at first, but just what are your expectations now that we're, the album is out and touring, hopefully and live streaming and all that, but what do you expect to see the rest of this year? I mean, really, you just said it. I'm, I'm looking forward to looking forward to getting out there and playing live again. And I think I'm going to appreciate it maybe more than I did, <laughs> you know, before, because after years of doing it, and I've never been one of those artists who's like on the road 250 days a year, you know, but sometimes it gets a little harrowing and now I'm like, bring on the harrow. Like I'm so, I'm so ready for it. So yeah, I might, I'm, I'm probably going to celebrate those things that felt pretty regular in the past um, just because they're not anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to really feel those things. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm looking forward to, to this record reaching those ears that you know that that maybe already knew my work but you know also some more people and i and i'm just really really proud of this one and i i know that people say this all the time but like i really do feel like i i left it all on the field it's the most true of all of my albums like there's more like real life got to get this out and these songs I think I realize after it's out now too like I was looking these songs I was writing these songs to help me move forward and it turned out that the making of that the finishing of the song the making of the album and the moving the album forward is exactly what I'm trying to do in the lyric that's what finally got me moving again you know, which all kind of ties back into the storytelling, you know, the sharing of a story, amazing things happen when you share a true hard story, not just for the listener who needed to hear it, who thought that they were alone, but also for the teller. Like, wow, I feel so much better getting this out. All right. Well, again, thank you for your time tonight, Maya. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, thank you, Maya, for your time. Greatly appreciate it. What an interview. I mean, that's what songwriting is all about. It's so therapeutic. I mean, music's always meant the world to me. And I just love hearing from others and those who actually write the songs as to what it means to them. So thank you again, Maya. Greatly appreciate your time. And be on the lookout. I got some great stuff coming soon. So I will be in touch. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook and all those great things. So stay tuned and thanks for listening. <laughs>